Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm your host and go-to career coach, Kelsey Kemp. You're tuning in to the Job Library series, which is a bingeable collection of interviews with professionals from a vast variety of industries to help you gain the exposure and the insider info you need to find a career path you'll love. If you're excited to live vicariously through people with super cool jobs, maybe even some you've never heard of, then you're in the right place. If you're looking for step-by-step guidance on how you could identify your unique calling and actually land a job that pays you to fulfill it, then go have a blast scrolling through the nearly 50 other episodes of Answer the Call waiting for you below this series. This week is all about the exciting and diverse field of engineering. And in this episode, my new friend Anne-Marie Boyd shares about her love for industrial engineering and the fascinating, unlikely story of how she got into this line of work. She serves on the advanced engineering team working on things like robotics for Walmart working within their e-commerce supply chain operations. Despite the fact that she loves her job now, Anne-Marie actually never thought she would be an engineer. She didn't love math and actually had her heart set on going to fashion school in California. Yep, you've got to stick around to hear all about how that worked out for her in her favor. It's a cool story. (laughs) Aside from sharing all about the exciting and diverse realm of industrial engineering, Anne-Marie also has some powerful advice on how you could leverage your college career in such a way that lands you a top job. It turns out it's not all about grades and there are so many hidden opportunities that you could take up to make yourself into a top candidate for incredible companies. Before we dive into this treat of an episode, I have one tiny favor to ask. No matter if you're new here or a longtime listener, I'd love your help. Would you mind simply tapping on the stars on Apple Podcasts to rate the show? It's only one little click, but it actually helps a lot. It's a super quick one for you if you're a listener who wants to support the show in a tiny but mighty way. Thank you so much to all of those who have already left a rating and review and shared the show and tagged me on Instagram stories. Your help means so much to me. All right, now enjoy this episode with Anne-Marie Boyd. All right, Anne-Marie, I am so excited to have you here to talk about industrial engineering one of the many fields of engineering that i find very fascinating i just you know can i just call myself out for a second i don't really (laughs) know what industrial engineering is i just said that and that was a lie but from what i've heard your job is really cool (laughs) well thank you someone (laughs) someone has hyped me up but yeah, thank you for having me. Very, very excited. Yeah, I don't feel bad at all. I didn't know what industrial engineering was before I picked it as a major, so you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You know, if we were all more honest with ourselves, that's the experience picking any major. We're like, this is just a big fat guess, yeah. <laughs> unless you're one of the rare few that's like, I've always wanted to go into wildlife conservation, and now here's my moment. That was actually a podcast guest of mine, Lauren Warp. Anyway, oh, um, jealous. as for you, tell us a little bit about what your job is. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm sure there's 
any listeners out there who have no idea what industrial engineering is either. So yeah, I think like the the official definition of industrial engineering is something along the lines of optimization of you know big and complex systems by improving um, you know the way that people, money, info, energy, materials kind of flow. But if you really, I mean, that's a you know long drawn out explanation. If you just boil it down, all in industrial engineering is is just figuring out ways to do things better. Uh, honestly, it's it's really just kind of reorganizing the puzzle pieces to do things more efficiently. And so, no need to get caught up on kind of the that long explanation. It's really just kind of simplifying things and and uh, making things run smoother. So that is hope so cool. that kind of answers yeah. the, Actually, the question marks. If you're okay with this, I got some little follow-up questions that are coming up in my mind, which when you were describing what industrial engineering is, I was thinking in terms of making processes work better and optimization, efficiency, whatnot. I was a supply chain management major in the business school. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on how those fields are different besides just obviously your common courses in the business school are going to be very different than the general courses that you have to take as an engineering major. So how are those different? And then also, how is it different than industrial distribution in another engineering major? All good questions. We had both of those majors at AM, which is the school that I graduated from. And that's a very common question of like, what's the difference between you know, supply chain versus industrial um, distribution versus industrial engineering. And I will kind of tell you about a little bit about my experience, but I had zero plans on going into engineering as a senior in high school. In fact, I was determined to go into fashion school and yeah, never, never would have imagined myself going into engineering. I was Uh, My plan was to move to California, go to fashion school, and then kind of figure it out. But my parents were great and did something that was extremely smart. When I was a senior, that eventually kind of led me to pursuing industrial engineering. And so both my parents are electrical engineers. My mom is software, which means she codes all day. And then my dad is hardware, so he um, really was focused on building works for HP and and now he's, you know, no longer touches any of that because he's in management. But my idea of what engineering was growing up was just boring, stuffy, nerdy computer stuff because that's all I ever saw from my parents. And my, my parents were smart in the fact that they never said, you know, no, you can't moved to California and pursued fashion school. By the way, if any parents are listening, don't tell your kids that um, because they will do it, if anything, out of spite. Despite you, yes. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, they actually sat me down and they kind of ran through the numbers with me. And when I say that, you know, we looked at the cost of -of out-of-state tuition, the cost of fashion school alone, living in California, and then looked at, you know, average salaries upon graduation, opportunity of career advancement within the industry. And then after really looking at all of that, it didn't look extremely promising Mm -hmm. from, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family. We didn't have much, if any, savings for college. 
and then I, you know, sewing wasn't something that I was confident that I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to. And it was an extremely narrow scope of view for kind of my future and the rest of my life. Uh, and so after that, I was kind of at square one and was going through your typical like senior year existential crisis. Um, yeah, you know. it's going to hit you eventually. If not senior year, at least by the time you're 25, quarter life crisis, it, it's usually on the menu yes, <laughs> when you're <yeah>. young. <laughs> I, think, I think like one of the biggest lies, you know, in high school or in college, even now, honestly, it's like, I know, you know, I know exactly what I want to do. Like even in college, no one, even if you think you know what you want to do, like no one really knows what they want to do because they haven't done it yet. It's just like you said, a big fat guess, but you're just trying to like make the most informed guess that you can. But yeah, so I was, I was kind of at square one. So yeah, if anyone listening has been there, I feel it. (laughs) I know what that's like. And what we did, and I think what really helped me kind of reach the conclusion that industrial engineering was kind of the, one of the best paths that I could choose was we sat down with kind of like a private career advisor. This is someone who typically like, you know, this is going to be stereotyping, but uh, typically is used by like private school parents to walk their kids through the complete progress of, you know, taking SATs, ACTs, applying to colleges, all this stuff, right? We couldn't afford to do like the whole package but what we could afford was like the one to two meetings you know initial discussion with her uh, where she took like an evaluation I'm sure you know most people have done some kind of like basic skills evaluation but this was much more detailed and then also kind of interviewed me and asked me questions much more focused on how I like to work as opposed to like you know asking the question of what do you want to do with your life? And yeah. <laughs> what industry do you want to work in? You know, it's so hard to even know anything, you know, any of those questions at that time. So, uh, yeah, so she kind of asked the, those questions. And then after meeting her like one more time, she kind of laid out some detailed options for me that she saw like, hey, you're, you have key strengths in these areas and these jobs and these majors really line up with how you like to work. And every single one of those options, except for one, involved engineering, which we never would have that anticipated. That was a bit of shock. It was. It, it absolutely was, especially because, you know, in my mind, engineering, to go into major of engineering, and I think especially nowadays, a lot of times you have the preconceived notion that that's only for people who have been in AP math classes their whole high school career mm-hmm. and who are already in you know, math club or engineering club and are in Cal, you know, A, B, C, and I was in none of that. In fact, taking pre-Cal in, in my high school was considered overachieving. So, uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, it, it was definitely surprising. So I guess this was a long drawn out explanation to your, your question of, you know, how did I determine industrial engineering is for me, but When I looked at all the different options, industrial engineering, when compared to supply chain management and industrial distribution was by far the most, or maybe the least limiting is probably the best way to explain it. So you can just have, you can go into so many different industries and also the role that you play as an industrial engineer 
is so much more diverse than I found in the other two majors. So for example, like supply chain management and industrial distribution tends to be much more kind of business heavy. So Mm -hmm. you do your heavy lifting more in like analytical procurement kind of functions working directly, you know, maybe you're managing an account or portfolio, inventory, things like that. Whereas industrial engineering is much more, I'd say, engineering heavy in the fact that you're, you can be involved in the design of buildings, you know, the design of MHE within, which is just a material handling equipment. Think conveyors, robotics, machinery, or, you know, you can be on the other end of the spectrum where you walk into a facility and redesign it. And you also have the ability to walk into the business realm if you choose to do so. So I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And industrial engineering was just the the most diverse option out of those three majors. So I hope that I I explained that well, but. Oh, you for sure did. That was such an interesting detailed breakdown and also huge kudos to your parents for handling that like master ninjas (laughs) first off using reverse psychology and not saying don't do that Anne-Marie they they were like no here's technically what your life would look like and here's the implications I wish that more parents did that you know especially if you're considering a lot of student debt and what your career progression would look like after that to support it Mm. man they are masterful and then hooking you up with a career advisor that is so, so cool. And really cool how that shaped your path in a surprising but really fruitful way as well. So since graduating college, which, when was that? Yeah, so I uh, graduated in 2018. It was exactly two years from today. Nice. So yeah, it's been it's been a fun time. So I, I had done... I don't think I ever officially said my job title, but right now (laughs) I'm uh, an engineer uh, for Walmart. I'm specifically on the advanced engineering team within e-commerce supply chain engineering. So when I graduated in 2018, I had already done two previous summer internships with Walmart. And so when I graduated, I just went full time with them in Fort Worth, Texas space there. So the transition there was pretty seamless just because my previous experience with them. But yeah, it's, I've now been full-time for um, almost two years, which, which is crazy. Time flies. That's so cool. I know it really does. Once you graduate college, it's like, pew, goodbye. Where has it gone? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> hey, not to cause any existential dread within the hearts of any college or high school students listening. That's not what I mean. It's great. I wish more people told me that adult life was great and stopped saying annoying, triggering things like what I just said. (laughs) So it's all good. Don't worry your precious little head. So what are the different specialties and career paths that you could explore within the realm of industrial engineering? I know that you already started to mention that it's quite flexible and there's a lot of freedom within that, but are there kind of pillars or tracks that you would Yeah, say? sure. Great question. So one of the kind of like the myths or, or maybe just a common misrepresentation of industrial engineering is a lot of people, when they hear industrial engineering, they think of kind of the very traditional function of an IE 
which typically involves time studies, you know, Six Sigma, which is just a fancy word that's about waste elimination. Typically, they think factory setting, manufacturing, and a lot of people really miss how industrial engineering has really evolved, evolved over the past five or 10 years. So just for example, within my own team, we have industrial engineers that like I said, design MHE for you know million square foot buildings. We have engineers that work with leading edge robotics and implementing those robots into the buildings. You know, I use that. I'm more on kind of the manage the project management side. So I manage like large scale projects or um, new pilots of that technology. You have IEs that uh, are data gurus. They love you know being the person in the chair, right? I always think of like impossible. Yeah. You know, they love being, you know, working with all the data because that's where really we make a lot of our decisions at the end of the day. That's going to, you know, sway what, you know, where we take our next step. So yeah, you have people who develop simulations, you know, they simulate entire buildings or factories. So as far as like roles, there's a lot of different that you can do. And that's really more of like, the engineering side, a lot of people don't even talk the, you know, the potential to go into management sets you up really well if that's your kind of long-term goal. Or like I said, the beauty of industrial engineering is if you get into it and you find, you know what, I actually like more of the business side better. I like working kind of in the procurement space where I manage accounts or with inventory management, then you have the ability to kind of cross that line and, and play both sides. But yeah, to kind of give you like maybe a, a more direct idea of, of different companies or industries that you can work for, you can go, you know, I have friends who've gone into uh, oil and gas, you know, technology, medical field, supply chain is, you know, opportunity in e-commerce is huge right now. Big data, you know, like Google, manufacturing, like Ford, consulting, I have friends like have graduated, gone to work for Disney, you know, what? Exxon. Yeah. What do Nike, they do at Disney? Uh, so they actually have what's called Imagineers. Mm-hmm. And so actually a lot of people that work at Walmart now at one point in their career worked at Disney. So I get to pick their brains a bit what? about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you as a, uh, industrial engineering is also referred to like industrial and systems engineering. So really you, Disney is like an IE's playground, you know, you, you look at just this mass system of people and materials and even just thinking about, you know, the roles and, and costume changes, right? How do you manage that? And so it's, it's, like I said, I hope that gives you an idea of kind of your different career paths and opportunities, you know, unlike, say, uh, some other engineers, like, petroleum engineering or chemical, you know, you do, those definitely have a lot of different roles, but as far as industry, you're kind of limited in that aspect, but industrial, you can find it all over the map. And nowadays it's, it's really only increasing. It's been uh, very interesting. For example, like a good friend of mine actually just moved to New Zealand. Wow. yeah, because industrial engineering isn't, uh, a lot of times it's not considered like one of the, you know, main core engineering. Not a lot of people, um, more nowadays, but sometimes, like you said, not a lot of people are aware of what industrial engineering is. But in New Zealand, 
they don't teach industrial engineers, but they need industrial engineers because it's an island. So all they do is import export. And so they're actually like have a program right now where they need industrial engineers. And if you come and work in New Zealand for, I think it's like two years and you get full citizenship. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, um, (laughs) it's, if you're interested in like, you know, being working as an expat or, you know, you have, you have a a dream of kind of leaving the U S after you graduate. Um, as long as you attend like in, I think it's ABT, a bit credited college Mm -hmm. and, you have an industrial engineering degree and they do this a lot for uh, other engineering degrees as well, but it kind of gives you that opportunity and you don't have to like retake any tests. There's no certifications that you have to get like civil engineering. You have to get your um, yeah. PE, right? You don't have to do that for industrial. Nice. Um, I was just talking to a civil engineer right before this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was so going to ask know. you about that. So it sounds like after you do your undergrad, like you're good, you go off and you start yeah. working and there's no further yeah. professional exams. And I know like, I think this audience is probably tailored towards, you know, people going into college or in college, but if you've graduated and, you know, your field that you chose, maybe just, you're not feeling it and you're, you're looking for another direction at Walmart, we have quite a few engineers that aren't industrial engineers. We have like the chemical engineers, medical, uh, mechanical engineers. We have like one civil that actually switched over and have gone into an industrial engineer role. So don't think that like, you know, there's no hope for you if you don't have an industrial engineering degree. I think an engineering degree is, is definitely kind of like the baseline um, mm-hmm. necessity, but there's no required certifications. Um, you know, you can definitely, you're encouraged to go get your PE or FE or, or even like your professional project, uh, project management certificate. But yeah, nothing like required like there is in civil engineering. That is so cool. And I love the encouragement that you gave. I'm always asking typically in any of these interviews about yeah so if someone's in high school or college that's pretty convenient and they're excited about this field they could just you know pick the right major go into it but for actually I know a lot of people that listen are in their mid-20s and if they're thinking back like ooh, you know I would like to make some sort of change but maybe it's Uh, of course, for understandable reasons, they would like to avoid going back and getting a four-year undergraduate degree. Like, what are their options? And so I'm really glad that you addressed that. I'm curious how you picked the role of the project management side that I think you mentioned that you're in right now, and if that's something you want to stay in, or there's other areas of industrial engineering that you're wanting to grow into. Yeah, sure. So, I kind of fell into the project management role a little bit when I first entered my full-time role with Walmart. And then I just really enjoyed the process. Um, And I think in project management, there's um, natural cycles, there's ebbs and flows. And so it keeps you from kind of the monotony of having the same, your day looking the exact same every day. I think what my day looks like is totally dependent on what stage my projects are in. And by what stage, I mean, you know, are, are we going out and trying to discover new technologies, doing research on new vendors, new suppliers, designing, you know, a, a completely new concept, 
or are we transforming an old concept to a new concept? Have we transitioned to where we know what technology we want to pilot and now it's a matter of establishing the right site and prepping operations, working with the vendors, or are we in the execute phase, right? Are we piloting the technology, gathering the data, and anticipating a time in the near future where we're gonna need to make a decision? My team, the advanced engineering team, focuses on kind of next step technology and then we do our best to pilot it in a realistic scenario and then make a recommendation as to whether we should kind of expand the program and the project or if not, right? We Something we say is a pilot, whether we recommend it or we don't, is still a successful pilot. The purpose of the pilot is to determine whether we want to invest in this technology or if it's just not the right fit for us. Mm. So that's a really fun space to play in. And I think one of my favorite parts of my jobs, you know, I think like just the things that we get to play with all day long is are really freaking cool. And, that's um, so awesome. I it, love hearing that. Yeah. It's, it's specifically in Walmart e-commerce. I think uh, like in some of the previous roles I've had with other companies, maybe you're like designing you know, one bolt or redesigning um, how one process works at one machine in one building. But in my role, we get to, you know, what we change, we go home and experience the after effects of because we go home and order online from walmart.com and we experience what we implemented or changed, you know, later in the day. It's just so applicable to your daily life. It's so fun seeing just how tangible the results of your of your work are so yeah yeah. that's awesome I am especially excited to ask you this question since you might be able to reflect back working with that career advisor who showed how your strengths qualities patterns of work style and learning and all of that applied and made you a great fit for industrial engineering so very excited to ask you, what do you think makes someone a great fit for this field in terms of their preferences, qualities, strengths, and all of those things? Yeah. So I think my dad always says this, (laughs) but college uh, I found was really to teach me how to learn. And I think as an engineer, I had to become comfortable with and then eventually learn to enjoy the process of not knowing how to solve a problem, right? So in some career fields, I think of accounting, I think of, you know, some medical fields. It's more about how well do you learn the rule book or the instruction book, whereas engineering is, you know, you have some basic guidelines, but you almost always have to come up with the solution. And they're not easy solutions a lot of times that you're gonna figure out in one day. A lot of times it's um, complicated problems that you're not sure if there is a solution and you're working with a lot of other teams that you know don't know the answer either and are working hand in hand with you and 
provide uh, more complexities and but hopefully also help you to find the right one. So I think if you enjoy the process of finding a hard problem or being presented with a hard problem and going through, walking through the process of kind of researching and brainstorming and collaborating with others, taking feedback, you know, looking at data, being creative, and then taking in the span of that, taking into uh, consideration the time that you have. If that sounds fun to you, like you would be a killer industrial engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just have to love the process of, of solving problems in a creative way and not be scared of, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have failures. Like I said, a successful pilot, you know, could have been a no or a yes for continuation, but, you know, the goal was to figure out, um, should your company invest in this, should this move forward? So I hope I laid that out in a straightforward answer. You know, what's funny is I think, um, I can't remember. It might've been four or five engineers that I've interviewed up until this point. And almost all of them, their very first response to a question like the one I posed to you is it's all about problem solving. If you like (laughs) problem solving, you'll be great. You'll love my field in engineering. And so I always have to ask the follow-up question, like, is there any differentiator that would make someone a great fit for industrial over other disciplines of yeah. engineering? Good question. I, I'm glad you called me out. Y'all totally love right. the problem solving. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so I think when I... I had to like think back to my experience. Something that I really cared about was not being kind of chained to a desk. Um, I found that I really like a good mix of being on site and as simple as it sounds, like walking and interacting with people and also having like, you know, a space that I can uh, hide away in and work in. And, um, call mine. So I think that was definitely a consideration when I was looking at what major I wanted to take and to like make this applicable. Um, something that I was really debated between was mechanical engineering and industrial engineering. And mechanical is very versatile, just like industrial. Someone would, some would say it's even more versatile. I think the biggest uh, differentiator between those two for me was with mechanical engineering, you work with CAD a ton um, traditionally, and especially nowadays, a lot of that is uh, on the computer and you know, you're know you at a desk all day. So, which you definitely is done in industrial engineering as well, but something that, and something that pulled me towards project management too, was just the opportunity to get out in the field, interact with associates who are working, you know, boots on the ground. And a lot of times that's where your best ideas come from is from the people who are doing the job day in and day out. So I think if that's something that you're interested in, that you value, and of course, you know, you have the the token problem solving. Yes, um, that doesn't go away. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I think maybe I'll add this on here, but mm-hmm. I think just the industrial engineering, you can never perfect a process, right? There's always something to improve. 
And it takes a learned skill to not be, to continually go back and look at what can be better and then also invite others to be the devil's advocate and see things that you're not seeing. That's a very general statement as well. But I think both of those are, as an industrial engineer, if you're not constantly looking for areas to improve, then you're not really doing your job. So if that's something that you think you would enjoy and seem apt to do, then I think, I think it'd be a great fit. Honestly, like I'm sure you will put like my email or contact information here somewhere. You can always reach out and I would be more than happy to give anyone who's listening and wants further details on this kind of some more thoughts or like a day in the life. Yeah, totally open to help any way I can. That is so kind. I'll definitely put that in the show notes or like the little description section if you're on Apple Podcasts, because I'm sure there will be some very grateful students or otherwise that are going to want to take you up on that. Hey there, if you're listening to this episode right now, it's probably because you're somewhere on the range of mildly curious to high-key desperate to get out of analysis paralysis and into a job that will be an exciting and rewarding fit for your unique talents, values, and interests, which By the way, I'm here to help you do just that in record time. If we haven't met yet, I'm Kelsey Kemp, a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their unique calling and practically land a job that pays them to fulfill it so you could have an impactful and meaningful career. Trust me, I get it. Picking a singular path out of the sea of options, then making a potential industry pivot to get into that line of work can all be insanely daunting. That's why I created the Deep Dive Career Coaching Program, so you could have me by your side, confidently walking you through each step of a career transition from start to finish. From discerning God's will for your life and what path you're truly called to take, to finding the exact job title that actually aligns with that, then getting hired for that position with confidence and speed, I'm here to be your personal career coach from start to finish. My signature two-month private career coaching program includes seven weekly coaching sessions with me, access to the library of guides and workbooks I've created to clearly guide your transition, as well as unlimited support from me in between sessions to help you nail down every single step of the practicals like your networking strategy and messaging and your resume and interviews and negotiations. I'll help you save a load of time, stress, and dead-end job applications so you could land the job you're called to faster than you thought possible. Seriously, it could be on the other side of just two months. If all that sounds like a dream to you, then I want to formally invite you to apply for my deep dive private career coaching program. To take the first step, go to my website, kelseykemp.com slash coaching to learn more and book a free 30 minute consultation with me this week to objectively evaluate if this opportunity is the perfect fit for you. I only work with people who are ready to go deep 
do the work and actually make a change once the path is made clear to them. So if that sounds like you and you're ready to accelerate your path to building an impactful career aligned with who God made you to be and what he put on your heart to do, then go to kelseykemp.com slash coaching to learn more and book a free 30-minute consultation with me this week to get started. I'll talk to you soon. Now back to the episode. What does your typical day in the life look like in terms of the tasks that you spend the majority of your time doing and then also your hours and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, good question. So for me, I think, like I said, my day in the life varies so much with what I'm working on, but I think most of my days are spent between maybe I'm on site and working with the operations team and uh, monitoring whatever technology we're testing or piloting. Maybe I'm sometimes, the, you know, some of the less glamorous pieces of project management have to do with, you know, making sure that the electrician gets there on time and, and drops power to the right areas and cleaning up scrap. And, you know, some of those are like the less glamorous parts of project management, but also some ironically, like some of the parts that I enjoy the most because you uh, form a bond between the engineers that you're working with, the operations teams that you're working with. And when I say operations teams, um, I just mean the, uh, the team that's actually managing the site that I'm visiting. So another thing that uh, makes industrial engineering cool is you you have the ability to um, to kind of fly at like a bird's eye view. So a lot of times like manufacturing or mechanical engineering, you're um, in the nitty gritty and you're actually in the site managing associates at the site. But at least in my role as an industrial engineer, I get to kind of fly high and then dive into the details when I really need to. And that gives you the ability to kind of see the big picture. You're not really so much concerned with kind of everyday fires and as much as you are, you know, looking at kind of the, the forest view as opposed to the trees. And that's when you find kind of your most impactful changes that you can make. And then one of the best things are, you know, I feel like this podcast is really plug for Walmart, but um, one of the coolest things about, what I do is, you know, if we're able to, if I'm, me and my team are able to find something or technology or even just a simple process change that really betters a building in a certain way, you get to do this really fun thing where you say, okay, take that and then multiply it by X number of buildings across the nation. And that's when, as an industrial engineer, that's just so fun because you're like, you know, I, I, I might have saved you know, money or, or maybe it's an ergonomics um, thing. I made a certain job easier for an associate to perform. And now I get to do that across the board. So I think back to, I'll backpedal back to the original question of what does my daily life look like? You know, it's, it's mixed between meetings with vendors and organizing and prepping and executing and also working with my team members on looking at new technology, looking forward, some looking backwards and saying, hey, what could we have done better here? Can we retrofit a site instead of building like a brand new one? And of course, you know, everyone has their 
running through emails part of their day. Nobody uh, escapes it, not at yeah, all. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then and then come like the different things that you're kind of thrown into as a project manager. For example, like recently I've been working a lot with legal documents. So mm-hmm. I've been drafting like scopes of work and you know, material service agreements, things like that. I would never anticipate have, that I would have done that, but here I am doing that. You do analysis in business cases. You know, when you don't have a dedicated data person, I will go and pull that data and write code or queries to farm that data and then organize it in a way that I can tell a message. So yeah, I think my day-to-day life, you know, really revolves around my projects, uh, but it the root core of it is managing kind of budget, schedule, materials, people, information of these projects in order to make the pilot a success. And if we're on the path of determining, hey, this isn't the technology for us, make that decision as you know quick, painless, and cheap as possible. And if you know if we think it is something that we want to continue with, make sure that the next time we do it, it's even easier than the first time. Yeah. You know what is just such an interesting observation that I've been picking up, and I wonder if that career advisor way back picked this up, is I could, the way your brain works even in answering these questions is so interesting. You quickly are able to tie in the big picture and the purpose or the context in your answer and then you'll go back remember the exact intent and then answer it like super orderly and detailed (laughs) that is so cool (laughs) so so cool um seems like you found the just the job for you (laughs) yeah I might I might have to pay uh, kudos to my engineering writing and and talking professor at A&M he was he was a speech writer and so he always taught us to you know answer and also write in that in that pathway but but yeah thank you that makes me feel better I'm not (laughs) just rambling on this podcast (laughs) no not at all so you've talked on some really amazing enjoyable parts about your job that seems honestly so cool are there any points that are a little less glamorous maybe sometimes like if I could do without that I would yeah Good question. Important question for those that are listening. I think for me, the biggest kind of toll of my job is is probably the travel. It's a double-edged sword, right? In college, the idea of traveling um, a lot for work was like so romanticized. Oh yeah, Um, it's dumb. Yeah, (laughs) it should be so romanticized. (laughs) (laughs) it's just so appealing in college you automatically kind of picture yourself like going to all these cool places and you know having all the points and the status but the reality of constant travel is living in somewhat of a limbo you're almost never home so it makes makes it really hard to put down roots and make friends and get involved in the community find a church but the places you travel to aren't you know, you're not there long enough to really do that there either. And all the while you're usually in a hotel room in a place that isn't glamorous. 
and you rarely have time to do things outside of work anyways. So travel for me means really early mornings and sometimes late flights. And a lot of times your weekends can be spent just recovering from that week of travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that I've definitely learned after kind of being on the other side of glass per se. You know, I will throw in the caveat that like some people love it. I think this at this point, point in my life, you know, I'm young, single, right out of college, would be like the easiest time for this to work. And it, you know, it's still, I still find it kind of grinding for me. And and I think I actually move in a week to New York and that's where I've been traveling a lot too recently. And so I'm super excited to be able to kind of like sink and settle and get involved in the community and, and not be traveling so much. So I think that's like one of the biggest myths that I, now I'm, I'm on the other side and I can tell the people in college, like consulting is, there's definitely pros, don't get me wrong, but the travel, you've got to make sure that like, that's something that you're willing to, to compromise with. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I started my career out with two years of consulting, tech consulting. Um, you know. <laughs> on the business side, it, that travel is a beater, man. Yeah, people are glamorizing all that stuff. And you're right. Some people love it. Even our mutual friend, Hannah, I interviewed her earlier today. She's that one person that said, I don't get what people are talking about. I love it. 100% travel for me. <laughs> but most people, yeah, it's pretty taxing. Is that common? that frequent travel for a lot of uh, industrial engineering jobs? Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. I I think it totally depends on the job role. I know IEs who are, you know, in one place and almost never travel. I know IEs that only travel once in a while to the sites, um, depending on like what company you work for, if where their other sites are, if they even have other sites. And then I know, you know, IEs that work in consulting that almost constantly travel and, and don't even have, uh, they just Airbnb when they like get back from wherever Yeah, they don't pay so, rent anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's kind of the full spectrum. Like, you know, it shouldn't scare anyone. And the fact, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh no, I don't want to travel that much. Maybe industrial engineering isn't for me. No, it's, there's totally options where, you know, there's 0% travel. I think I would just say, uh, pay attention when you're looking at jobs and descriptions and ask Mm -hmm. um, the hiring manager, you know, is travel part of this job? Um, Because it it is something that might sneak up on you, but uh, I think generally speaking, you can both, you can go both ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And kind of on a side note that I rarely mention, I either when I'm talking about my travel experience or when I'm talking about it with guests who have this, it's just, it's okay if you do want to just get it out of your system and go, but maybe just admit to yourself that it might be a two-year stint and then be don't like torture yourself and drag it on. Just go yes. get a more settled job. It's not that big a deal. So yes. sometimes it's kind of healthy to go in with that mindset of like, this doesn't have to be forever. It's totally normal to change job at, jobs after two years and just go after it, you know? Like, you don't have to listen to us being like, womp, womp, go get it. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, and, and some advice for, you know, maybe those who are six months into their first job out of college, 
it is completely okay to go to your manager and just be honest and say, hey, the percentage of travel is, is too high for me. Or even to say like, hey, I, you know, I want to travel more. I think when you're new into your job, you have this feeling like, oh, I, I have to love everything about this and you know, can't approach my boss about changing anything. And I think that's like also a misconception that I learned. And yeah, so if, if you are traveling too much or you want to travel more, like I would totally encourage you to just be transparent with your leadership and mm-hmm. see if maybe they can make some moves. Heck yeah. Be empowered <laughs> and in the driver's seat of your career. We don't have to just take that. I would say that's a general career misconception that honestly is inherited from a earlier generational mindset, which did fit them for that time in society. It no longer really fits that the first five years is don't say anything, just put your head down. No, actually like companies want you a lot of the time if it means that you're able to be retained, like their retention stats are better if they're able to collaborate with you in some way. If you speak up on some aspect of your position that could be worked on to keep you in the job. So kind of fun fact. Yeah, 100%. If someone is getting to the end of this interview and saying, this sounds the coolest, I would love to be an industrial engineer like you, and they go through the necessary education, you know, at least get an undergrad in some kind of relevant field in engineering, whether it's straight up majoring in IE, or like you said, like you might be able to come in from some other tracks as well. But let's say they have the basic qualifications. What would you say is just some advice for getting into a really great company? Like, what are they looking for in your field? Like, what do they prioritize? Internship experience, GPA, all of the above, soft skills. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you got a sure. pretty killer job. So I want to hear your tips. Great question. So I'm, you know, I might sound like a broken record here, but. I really think like experience is definitely number one. So, I mean, grades are a close second, right? But even if you have, you know, if you're kind of in the middle of the pack, experience is always going to take the cake, in my opinion. You know, a hiring manager, and at least in my experience, is going to, you know, be willing to compromise on maybe academics. And if you have, you know, a history of related experience, that will almost always tip kind of the scales in your favor. And I think the reason why is experience tells the recruiter that you know what you're getting yourself into at least a little bit, at least more than maybe some of maybe your competitors and looking at this job mm-hmm. and that you probably won't suffer from, or at least not as much from kind of those first year jitters and, you know, finding yourself around as much as someone who's never been in the field. Uh, And then it also tells recruiters that you've given this thought, right? I think one of the, again, industrial engineering and the broad scope of it can also be a plus and also a con. On one side, you're free to explore all of these different options. On the other side, you have to decide which one of these options you want to pursue. And I think in college, it's really easy to kind of want to put your head down and get your degree done and then figure it out. But I would not recommend that (laughs) tactic. I think it can feel overwhelming 
And so you just tell yourself, you know what, I'll make that decision one day. But the only way that you are able to kind of reach a confident, you know, best guess or, or pursue companies that you have a firm belief that you will genuinely enjoy working for and enjoy the work you do is by kind of near, you know, nearing down that list or at least crossing roles or industries off of that list. And the only way that you realistically do that is to explore those, you know, outside of the academic context. So I would totally encourage people to, a lot of recruiters come to campuses and talk, obviously outside of COVID. A&M actually had an externship program, which is where they would just have a group of students go visit a company, like a local uh, company that perhaps hires at A&M, and you kind of get a view of a day in the life. I would definitely encourage internships, even just looking, you know, most colleges have job fairs, um, obviously encourage you to go to job fair, but even just looking at the list of companies that come and recruit at your college is you know, a great first step in figuring out what are my options after graduating? What does this look like? And also you guys have LinkedIn. You know, this is something that, this makes me feel old saying this, but LinkedIn wasn't really popularized until like my senior year of college. And it's such a powerful tool now. And even if you're, you know, a freshman, like way far out, or you're in another job field, you know, reaching out to a recruiter and, and just asking some of these questions or asking, you know, can I come on a one-on-one -on -one tour or are there, you know, tours of the facility in general, anything that you can do to get out there and learn more about the different options of your field and what it truly looks like day in and day out, I think is absolutely one of the best things I could advise because naturally those will lead to opportunities with those companies and will also help you in, in talks and interviews with, in, with it, you know, large engineering companies or, or someone that you want to work with. Because one of the questions that they're almost always going to ask is, you know, why do you want to work for us specifically? How do you know that you enjoy this work? And when you can speak to that and say, you know, well, I tried X, I tried Y, I saw Z, and then I tried this, or experienced this, and I really think that this is uh, more beneficial and aligns with my skills and talents more, that's a much more productive and kind of confident conversation than, I don't really know, I've never done any of this, yeah. you know, I'm kind of just looking for a job. And <laughs> Or um, I clearly just read your mission statement on your website, and I really love that you're about helping the community, <laughs> but yeah. like, how though? What? Exactly. <laughs> Do and you, you don't know have what to you're like, talking about. <laughs> it, yeah, you hit it on the head. And, and you don't have to, you know, finding out what you don't like is just as valuable than finding out what you do like. You know, sure. you're just narrowing yeah. down that list. And it's okay if your preferences change, but, you know, you have four years to kind of give it your best guess. And so I would say use all of your resources to gain as much you know, applicable experience as possible. Focus, you know, make sure you, you put the work in for school. But if someone is looking at you know, a sheet of someone with like a you know, 3.8 great grades, 
but has never had an internship or any applicable experience versus someone who's maybe, you know, in the, with a lower GPA, but has had an internship or two, gone out of his way to, you know, maybe volunteer in an applicable industry. That is much more valuable than, or, or as a recruiter, you're trying to kind of make the best bet, right? That mm-hmm. the person yeah. you choose is going to enjoy their work and thus do a great job and be beneficial for the company and, and be retained. And mm-hmm. so that story is is much more telling than kind of the rolling the dice on someone who thinks this is what they want to do, but doesn't quite know yet. Yes. Oh, gosh. May you be an example to us all. And also, that is a wonderful tip for sure. (laughs) To wrap up, is there any last nugget of career advice that you've gleaned from your own journey that you would love to share as a little send-off and kick off at the, wait, kick off? No, that's the beginning of the episode thing. Can you tell I've talked a lot today? Yeah. (laughs) How do you want to wrap this up? (laughs) It's funny because I'm trying to think of the word too, but. uh, (laughs) We're like words. Not a fan of us right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think my biggest piece of advice would be when you're evaluating what job to take at the end of your four years, or if you've already been in the industry for five years or not even in college yet, regardless of what phase of life you're in, I would encourage you to let pride kind of take a back seat. So many times it's kind of easy to get caught up in wanting the highest salary or the most prestigious company, um, but you'll quickly find that neither of those things truly matter at the end of the day. And the Facebook life update that you've planned to post, you know, that high only lasts for so long. So I would really encourage uh, those to choose a role based off of obviously the work that you'd be doing. Also, you know, there's value in kind of the overall feel that you get from the individuals you interact with and, you know, just an accurate evaluation of the job that you're interviewing for or looking to pursue. Walmart, I interned for other companies and Walmart just always felt like family. You know, while I was interning at other companies, I had people from Walmart reaching out asking like, hey, how's the other internship going? I mean, that was like bizarre to me. I, (laughs) my first general manager of the first building that I worked in when I was, did my first internship in Oregon, emailed me on my first day going full time and just to say, you know, welcome back and congrats. And, And none of that, I don't mean to point back to me, but to point towards the culture at Walmart just feels like such a family and and it was a no-brainer decision for me. And so I would just encourage someone to truly look at their options from that point of view, because this is going to be their day in and day out. I mean, obviously it's not, you know, final decision for the rest of your life. You can definitely change things if you're not happy, but I would just say, don't make a decision based off what your uh, numbers on the offer or what you get to, you know, the title that you get to tell others because your future self will look back and thank you. And I think my only other piece of advice is to just tell whoever's listening, probably listening to this because you're figuring, you know, maybe you're in like a, a 
change of, of life or you're you know looking at a new direction I would just say like take a deep breath you know mm-hmm. this is such a hard thing to do but learn to enjoy kind of the season that you're currently in I know especially in college and something that I still battle with today is always looking and preparing for kind of my next step and in college I was so consumed with kind of making the good grades that I think I missed out on part of the college experience. The same. And, oh my gosh. I look yeah. back and I'm like, did I have fun? Or was I so wrapped up in that GPA that no, I, like I own my own business now. Nobody gives a rip. About what <laughs> exactly. <that was. laughs> exactly. And it, it becomes almost part of your identity, that GPA. And then when you get that first job and graduate, it can be really rough when like, you know, at a, a drop of a hat, essentially your GPA doesn't mean anything anymore yeah. and it won't for the rest of your life. So I would definitely, you know, pursue excellence in classroom, but don't let it come at a cost of your life and who you are at the end of the day. So that's all I would say. Amen to both the things that you shared. Well, no, correction, everything you shared in this episode. I especially loved what you said about don't just automatically go sorting your career options or your first job listings that you're looking at applying for in terms of prioritizing things like salary and company prestige because I like you would hope that people and even my past self would have considered that other areas of compensation can matter so much more like exposure to projects you actually care about the ability to sharpen skills that align with your natural talents other rather than just fitting into whatever box or jumping through whatever hoop would allow you to work at company that a company that would sound very flashy in the facebook announcement post that you mentioned <laughs> or how much you would actually enjoy the quality of your life and your coworkers and all those that's the stuff that actually matters i know that if i were listening to myself saying that as a young college student I feel like that's cute you don't get the game but really (laughs) it's so funny to look back and just laugh at how I made decisions that way but I really hope that your encouragement encouraged people to actually listen to it (laughs) (laughs) yes we love you guys we have been where you have been before you can do it make good decisions and if you don't it's okay you'll have opportunities to make more decisions yes (laughs) just actually make them don't get stuck um (laughs) well i have absolutely had a blast sorry there's a fly literally attacking my face as i'm trying to wrap this up if it's not my cat screaming into the mic as i'm trying to wrap up an interview (laughs) like a professional Lord knows it's going to be a fly. What the heck? Anyway, thank you so much for all that you shared in this episode. I absolutely have had a blast and loved it and loved all your wisdom that you had to share. So thanks for coming on, Anne-Marie. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a wonderful surprise to my week. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you. If anything about the career path featured in this episode piqued your interest, don't stop here. Take what you've learned, critically examine any follow-up questions you might have, and network to your heart's content to get the answers that you'd like, as well as make meaningful contacts with professionals in that industry 
that might be able to help you get your foot in the door. If you have a friend who would love all the detailed insider info shared in this episode, don't forget to pass this episode along to them so we could create a network of people who are empowered with the information they need to confidently make satisfying career decisions that allow them to serve in the station in society they were meant for. Thank you to everyone who has supported this labor of love known as the job library by leaving a rating and a written review of this podcast. It sincerely makes all the difference to a budding podcast like this one. If you'd like to support the show, just join in by tapping the stars to leave a really quick rating and better yet, write a few words to leave a written review and subscribe. I hope you enjoy the other Benchable episodes now available to you in the Job Library series and tune in next Tuesday for a fresh batch of interviews with professionals in fascinating, unique, and influential positions. See you soon.